The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And we are The Articulate Coven. We are the unofficial fan podcast and community for uh, Anne Rice's Immortal Universe is brought to us by AMC and AMC Plus, but we also cover the books. Right now, we're wrapping up our coverage of Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches. The first season uh, is about to finish this week on AMC Plus, and uh, it'll drop Sunday night on AMC. Uh, we are here tonight to discuss episode seven, uh, <laughs> Tessa, the name of this one. <laughs> I, listen. I, I, here, I'm going to start this episode off on a positive note. It is Mardi Gras as we record this tonight. In, hey, uh, it sure in, is. I record from Louisiana. Yeah, it's Mardi Gras here. We, my, The family and I got to enjoy a parade on Sunday in uh, uh, the Highland area in Shreveport, which is one of the best parades in the north parts of the, of the state. I really enjoyed yeah. it. We had a great time. We always do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, I was reminded of the lovely Mardi Gras scene in the finale of Interview with the Vampire from earlier this year, uh, with some posts from AMC. So I'm in a good mood today, regardless of this episode we're going to talk about and the fact Absolutely. that we're about to wrap this thing up. Uh, the other thing yeah. that I'm in a good mood about, Ashley, I was reminded, again, we're going to start with positivity here. I was reminded we are only eight days away from the new season of The Mandalorian. <laughs> Ooh! Well, hell yes, that's something all of God's children can look forward to. That's right, that's right. Uh, magic uh, magic Grogu babies I can be excited oh, about. Oh, I can't um, wait. These magic witches... I don't know. I don't know how excited we're going to be about this, but we are going to dive into it. And uh, folks, spoilers ahead. One of the things that we have tried to start doing um, through the coverage of Mayfair, which is we are trying to do a little bit more of a recap of the episode itself as we go through our discussion instead of just talking about our thoughts on the episode trying to tell you what happened in case you've bounced off of this one. I know some of our listeners have definitely given up on Rowan and crew, uh, but we forge ahead and we begin this evening and this episode in uh, Lasher's memories as uh, Cyprian was lost to time in the past. Um, Ashley, we talked about it last week. We were, I'm honestly, I was sort of surprised that we got resolution to this. So much of this season has taught us to expect, perhaps, that this would all happen off screen and Cyprian just be fine yeah. again. But no, he's <laughs> he's still lost in in Lasher's memories, and uh, I honestly, this is the first time that they've sort of soured the Suzanne storyline. And they did it by sidelining Suzanne. Beautiful right. scenery still. The cinematography in Scotland is cool. But the fact that this this character we've been following through all these flashbacks is now literally like a figment of Lasher's imagination used as a, a ploy to bring in uh, Cyprian. Although I will say... As uh, the sister brings him into the cabin to start this whole thing before he gets locked in there with Lasher, I thought for a second they were going to have Cyprian play the Peter Von Abel's role and actually be the patriarch that starts the Mayfair family. I thought that Joel, might be why on earth would you here. think they would do anything that's in the book? Don't be absurd. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I I thought I honestly thought. I mean, oh, not that look, that's they're going to do something. But... 
I mean, that would be a big departure, right? And nobody travels through adjacent. time like this. And yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but it would be interesting at least to tie those two things together. And here again, one of our Facebook community actually posted uh, earlier today, and I haven't gone and read any of the comments. I don't know what the conversation has been about this, but somebody said like, I hear a lot of people are unhappy with the show. What would you have done instead? And it's so funny because Ashley, I never do that sort of thing. I understand how hard it is to write any sort of drama for the stage, for the screen, you know, for for movie or TV, and and I don't presume to know better than than producers and writers do generally. But very honestly, that prompt today has sent me in about seventeen different directions. <laughs> Our conversation last week was sort of the same way, and I've thought to myself so many times: there's honestly something quite decent in what they were trying to do here, uh, making this more of a matriarchal story, uh, making it more about um, actual paganism or, or Wiccan practices and the true history of witchcraft uh, as, as it has happened in hum human history. All of those things could be interesting. Um, changing the race of the major uh, male character uh, could have been interesting, as it was an interview with the vampires adaptation. That's just not what they've done here. Even the, the changes that they made with Tessa and, and my complaints there, these could have been interesting stories. It just hasn't played out that way. And I'm hopeful that in a season two, which is coming, there will be more satisfying storylines to come. I'm still, I'm not, I'm not sour on this entire enterprise, but I am struggling to find what they were trying to do and why people with as much pedigree as a lot of the people behind this show have, have failed so miserably at this one in particular. I, I don't know. And it started yeah. right here at the beginning with, with this, the, you have this Cyprian lost in time, Lasher's playing with him, and it goes nowhere. Yeah, no, it goes absolutely nowhere, which is exactly how I feel about most of like the energy. They'll build up energy and then just drop it. It's like um just like every rule of of like theater and storytelling I've ever been taught, they're breaking it. It's like sitting down in the middle of a really heightened scene and just letting the energy fall out of your ass, you know? It's just it's so strange to me. It's a, it's the, this what feels like kind of sputtering like you can't quite get your get your manual transmission and gear up the hill um with this with this one it's just it's really strange and if i i've really tried to this past week really think about it in a better mindset of like just completely divorcing myself from the from the source material as much as humanly possible you know and like well what would i how would i act if i how would i think of this if if i didn't know anything about this book if i didn't know anything about these stories or these characters how would i feel about this show and i think i would still have a lot of the same complaints about about rowan and about about how that character presents herself I think I would have a lot of complaints about being confused about the relationships within the family like these these first few scenes are just mind-boggling to me and I'm so like <laughs> and there were things I really liked but that's the other thing there's parts in there like I totally you totally catch um catch Tessa's mom throwing herself like a fake lasher party at her house I guess she stayed up drinking champagne and eating cake with fake rose petals you know like there's some really cool stuff in there but it's just it's like there's not enough of that to keep me excited about about what's next you know oh my god Ashley I didn't even consider the fact 
that that was all fake because Lasher's not around. Lasher's not no. with Tessa. Lasher's not with Rowan. Lasher clearly wasn't hanging out with, with, with Tessa's mom. Rowan picks up that rose petal. She picks up that rose petal and she's pressing it between her fingers and you can tell it's a fake rose petal, you know? And so that's how, I mean, that may not be what they were intending, but that's totally how I took it. I was like, she's throwing herself a fake little Lasher party since her daughter won. Her daughter no, won the prize. Absolutely absolutely right and like honestly you could have had a 45 second scene before rowan gets there with the mom and made that point and you you get this whole inner life in one minute you could have gotten it with you where you go oh this woman dreamed of being the designee her entire life like was never in line for it wasn't going to happen for her right but she's always sort of wanted it her daughter's got a little power and now she's living vicariously through her this this right. is an interesting but again, none of that on the screen, friends. No, we don't see there are any good of actors it. in this show. I have to deduce it instead of in being shown. There are talented people behind the camera. There are talented people in the writers' room and the executive producers. I looked. I didn't know uh, uh, Ashford is the other co-creator who finally spoke this week on the uh, official podcast. By the way, but I, I wasn't familiar with either of these women's work. However, if you go back and look. Masters of Sex was a very popular series, award-winning series. Lots of people yep. loved it. Most of the fans that I've talked to said it kind of goes off the rails in the end. It's less satisfying conclusion, but still very, very good stuff in the beginning. Same thing with The Pacific, another movie, another show with, with these women uh, tied to it. And tons of awards, lots of praise for that series. Everybody that's seen it says, it's oh, it's so great. You got to get into The Pacific. Really, really good stuff. I, I don't know what's gone wrong here. I mean, other than a lack of interest or knowledge of the source material, although there again in the official podcast this week, uh, uh, not Spalding, the other co-creator, uh, I just said her name, Ashford, I think is her last name. Right. She mentioned that she met Anne 20 some odd years ago when they were supposed to be working on a, 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 a TV project together, an original TV project. And that didn't go anywhere, but she's been a fan of Anne's work ever since and had read, I think, like at least one of the books beforehand, talked about how Anne was writing these novels at the time in that first street house. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what went wrong <laughs> here, but it, from the top to the bottom, it just everything that could have happened is like in between the margins and all of the things that they put on screen or most of the things that they put on screen seem like waste of time or misdirections or what are you doing here? Um, I, I want to start right there though, in that scene with um, uh, Tessa's mother and sister, uh, which by the way, I've seen a lot of speculation on our Facebook group and the discord group, people talking about, which by the way, there are links in the show notes. If you're a Facebook user, check out our Facebook community. If you're uh, not a Facebook user, our discord group is great. Uh, lots of in-depth conversation about these shows and the books behind them. Um, lots of speculation that Tessa's younger sister, who is redhead, uh, by the way, uh, that that is actually Mona and we're going to get right. Tessa was sort of a misdirect. And especially with the results of this episode that we're going to get Mona's <laughs> story eventually down the line. Here's the deal. She's not named in the episode, but the recaps that I've read have her listed as Daphne. That character is Daphne played by Daphne. Olive Acrom uh, Abercrombie. So again, totally 
totally created character. That ain't our Mona either. I thought this was, we joked about it being a cousin Bobby situation. Yeah, I just said interesting like it's interesting. Like I really meant that. I mean, interesting. What an interesting, interesting. choice to introduce yet another yeah. character that doesn't exist in this world while you horribly mishandle the characters that do. Yay. Yes. Yes, like that. It that is it, that is genuinely interesting. It's like I I talked to somebody. I finished watching Black Adam last night, the 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 Dwayne Johnson movie, uh-huh. and I was talking to somebody about it today. And I'm like, it's fascinating to think about the massive amount of money that Warner Brothers let them waste, just basically to keep Dwayne Johnson friendly with them. Like that. It is. It's such a pure <laughs> ego project. Particularly, like the, there's a post-credit sequence that now is not connected to anything and never will be, and it turns out Warner Brothers knew that when they let him film it, but they oh just paid what five million dollars, ten million dollars to film that post-credit sequence. Just just wrote a check and burned the money up. I don't know. Anyway, corporations are bizarre. This is another example of a big corporation <laughs> that is desperate for like. Well, AMC is making budget cuts left and right, and yet here they've spent fairly good money on this project, and they're going—they're doubled down. They're going for a second season. I hope they figure it out and re- and write the ship. I've got—I've got faith in the people at the very top. I've got faith in the source material, but please stop doing things like inventing characters. Just—just tell—just tell the story. Actually, just tell the story. All right. I mean, um, so. So Alicia, uh, Tessa's mom and sister, neither one of them are freaked out that, that Tessa's not home. Tessa's a party girl, as we already know, so she's just hanging out with friends, I'm sure. Uh, Rowan insists that they've got to find her and then gets sick because she's got morning sickness. So she has right. to go throw up in their bathroom. Yes, in the, in the 10 minutes that she's known magically that she's pregnant, she now has morning sickness. Ah, oh, science. Well, okay. If... <laughs> If they had followed any of the book, again, we could forgive this, right? Because in the book, Rowan's pregnancy is incredibly accelerated because the magical nature of that pregnancy. Here, though, we've gotten no indication of what Lasher's endgame is or that Lasher is even connected to this. Lots of speculation from fans about, oh, maybe it's Lasher's baby, not Cyprian's baby. But, like, the show hasn't given us any of that. Yet. No, that may be where they go. That like it may be that, and and later some things happen in this episode that maybe makes me think this is where they're going. I guess, but the fact that Rowan is now pregnant and calls Lasher back into her at the end of this episode, you could make a leap of of you know logic. I guess again based on the books and where all of that goes of what's going to happen, but the show hasn't spent any time building this up. Meanwhile, no. they've got one episode left and this entire witch hunter plot line that has nothing to do with the thrust of our major characters, our primary characters, Lasher, Cyprian, Rowan. Like, what the hell, man? I, I don't know how they're going to land this plane, but they're going to do it. In, a, in one more episode, it's clear now that this is the end of the first book. We're going to get future storylines and theoretically we're going to get some more back story of the mayfairs hopefully uh in future seasons but but the witching hour is about to be done which is hilarious because there's been such little such little action from the actual witching hour that house is still a mess we've not cleaned up anything she's not even part of the family she doesn't 
they're not treating her like they want her to be part of the family. She's not acting like she wants anything to do with them either. Um, and this whole idea of like claiming her, claiming her her place in this prophecy. It's just like, what the actual fuck is happening? And why is the Talamasca involved in it? Like, what? Why? Why? It, I, when I... Hmm. I'm trying not to get too far ahead of, of, of our of our chat because I know we want to do some recapage. But my God, like some of these these reveals in this episode were so like not number one, not exciting. Number two, not a surprise. Number three, completely don't make any sense in the realm of this world that we live in and that we have to continue to live in because our vampires are gonna cross over and dance in it. Ugh. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes, yeah. No, it's this is a very, very messy pool um, uh, that we've now stepped into. So, so the next scene, uh, we we move away from uh, Rowan. Which, by the way, the, yes, Rowan does have. We've skipped it, I suppose. Rowan does have the revelation that she's pregnant. She gets a vision into her own body. One assumes and and sees that she's conceived, and then immediately tries to get in touch with Cyprian. Of course, Cyprian's still lost in the past. So he's, he's lost in a memory. <laughs> yeah. Right. So finally, we get caught up with Tessa. At the end of last uh, episode, T Tessa's gotten you know captured in the woods by our creeper witch hunters, and now here she is locked up like Black Snake Moan. Uh, I do want to give. I, <laughs> I do want to give the uh, the uh, the makeup the makeup folks a shout out. This she looks like shit, man. She looks like she has been through it. She looks her mascara is everywhere. She looks real like she like she's been through some shit. So so kudos there. So here's my problem though, Ashley. This this entire sequence is just straight up sexualized in this oh, show. Yeah. It was startling to me. Hang on, I want to go to the actual note that I wrote down. Uh, I said, what is this show doing? They sexualized the creepy morgue guy taking the rag out of Tessa's mouth, even. Yeah. They yeah. linger on their mouths. They linger on drops of sweat. They... You know, they do the fade in when uh, I started to call her Mona. They do the fade in when Tessa does the glamour thing. And it's like the, the soft wash filter on the cameras. I like all of it is is played with like a leering eye. And I just can't imagine women being at the top of this, being in charge and thinking that this is what anybody wants. Like. I don't get well, it, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that. It, I do think it's well, and and then it gets problematic in that, like, you know, we're we're gonna focus in on this guy and the imperfections on his face, and she's gonna lie to him about, or she's gonna, you know, she's, uh, it's all very. Mm, I don't, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy her magic. I've got to say, it's not, you know, I, I don't enjoy that. I don't. I think it's all very, very strange and 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 oh. And it, it's icky. It all just feels real icky. And it's also like we're supposed to well, be disgusted by this guy and like creeped out by this guy or like what I'm, you know, like it just, I, it, the whole thing, but the whole fucking, that's one of the part of the problems, Joel, is that the whole fucking thing is unnecessary. This whole plot line is unnecessary. We're going to spend 30 fucking minutes in this warehouse for no good reason. It's like a fucking everybody getting together to talk about why they hate fucking... Uh, uh, I don't know. 
I mean, it took me back to that scene, and I can't remember if it was in fucking Spider-Man. Oh, it's them hating Iron Man. Everybody hating Iron Man in, in that Spider-Man movie. And everyone's, like, together, uh, working together with the Vulture because they all fucking hate Iron Man. And that's how this felt to me. It was like, that's how this whole fucking scene plays out to me. It's like, oh, here's our grievances. This is how the Mayfairs have done us wrong. And we hate the Mayfairs. And also, like, we're looking for proof of witches. Like, what? why is that a fucking thing? Like, you need proof of of witches it's 2023 like what the fuck are you even doing with your video cameras i don't understand what their end game is like this entire thing well and and it's because none of it makes any sense they the the showrunners wanted to tell this story about like incels and men rights activists and that stuff like we talked about last week and but they oh the only way they could figure out to bolt that on to this was making it witch hunters none of it makes any sense the, the uh, ashford said in the official podcast this week that she really got interested in this idea she and spaulding when they looked at the way that uh, uh, certain groups reacted to Hillary Clinton's presidency, and when they reacted to um, um, uh, uh, Kamala Harris's uh, candidacy as vice president, and and I thought, how can you be so obtuse <laughs> to to first of all tie those people? You say, oh, some people, lots of people called those those women bitches some even called them witches which is absolutely true i've heard hillary clinton called a witch i've heard kamala harris called a witch oh absolutely but how can you think okay great let's take that and run with that as a storytelling feature and the way that we're going to showcase that and the falseness of that is we're going to have a group that hurl these sorts of insults and allegations at a group of women and these group of women are a family of powerful psychics who each have a magical power and a familiar spirit which has enriched them over generations and generations. Oh, oh, we're going to make the witch hunters right? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, none of it oh, and also, sense. we're going to make the Mayfairs uh, uh, the 1% too? I mean, they are in the books, right? This they're a, they're a family that's a corporation on their own. They're like the Waltons. We've talked about that before. But here, the scene that they show us is two of the witch hunters were radicalized. How? Because they, they were impacted by the paranormal? No. Because their daughter or son fell to the occult? Oh, no. They were radicalized because they lost their job at Mayfair Auto Parts. Right. They got downsized. Oh, no. Friend. Fucking Iron Man. In what sequence of events... In what sequence of events did you lose your job at the auto parts company and then decide also the people who you used to work for for 17 are years witches. were a family full of intergenerational witches? Yeah. Yeah. What's what the, the what fucking the fuck? How does any of that make sense? None of this makes any sense. None of it no. makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. None of it makes any damn sense. And I don't, I don't, like, how's it going to get better in this next episode when they're going to rush through the last 800 pages of a book they haven't even talked about? <laughs> and Ashley, they did it again, too. They did it again. We talked last week about how there's a room full of witches and they're all crying about what they're going to do about the lost Tessa. Here, uh, her mother chides Rowan because she didn't do anything with Lasher. And I'm like, you're standing in a room full of powerful witches. <laughs> like, why don't any of you do anything about it? Right. They need also to find Tessa. So what does this family full of psychics and witches do? 
They bring, bring in outside in. help, Ashley. Bring in a man. Let's bring a man in to solve our fucking problem, ladies. Let's bring in the man because we can't get by without one. I mean, the man had style, at least, but like, again, how is any of this women empowerment? How is any of this women first or women central? Like, Rowan is not centered in any of this. Alicia is not centered in any of this. Dolly Jean, you've got this great black matriarch, played by an excellent actor, by the way. Yeah. Why not bring her into the center of things and have her be the one that can bring the whole family together and solve the problem? You know? But no, we've got to cry about Lasher on the one hand and bring in outside help on the other. They didn't even call this dude a Mayfair. Like he's not like some. He's not like Julian's great grandson. If as far as we. Uh, but again, in this universe, Julian didn't really have power. He bargained for it. Right. Exactly. 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 How also loosey goosey everybody is with fucking Lasher. Like everybody is on this fucking first name basis with Lasher. Oh man. Like, that's so. I hadn't that even drives noticed me- it. But <laughs> like everybody's constantly talking about him like they all know him they all know what he does they all know he's around they all expect him to be doing lashery things you know like it's so strange and it's to not me when- it's not like they don't get it either right because in the first episode they do a great job every several different people refer to him or the man in episode one the man yeah which is how every, literally everyone in the family refers to him as the man, except the designee, basically. Everyone in the family refers to the man in the books. Everyone outside the family yeah, refers even Aunt to Carl. the man. Like, yes. yes. That's how he's referred to, even when they're talking, like if they're talking amongst themselves about him, they don't call him Lasher. You know, like that's so, it's just, and I know that that doesn't matter. In the whole realm of the storytelling, it doesn't matter. But when I'm this fucking annoyed about these fucking incel witch hunters and and et cetera bullshit, this is just one more thing that pushes me over the edge about this. Okay. Then we're revealed... (laughs) <laughs> when when uh, when uh, when Cyprian finally comes back to uh, to the world, uh, which by the way, effectively again, like a very similar thing to what we've already seen several times with th- this magic. It's it's like another version of being pulled through time and space kind of deal. Whatever, right. I'm, I'm fine with it. He's finally back in our storyline, and now he's back with the Talamasca. Oh my gosh, guys, do you know Lasher's going to do something crazy? Stuff's going down. And uh, here's our our, our uh, non-British boss. Oh, Cyprian, you've been working so hard. Why don't you come with me? I've got just the place for you. Uh, reveal, ha, 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 we're I'm dirty a villain. too. I'm working with the Mayfairs. <laughs> At first I was all mad. I was like, so you're telling me like Cortland Mayfair just owns the Talamasca? This is the way this works? However, and again, maybe I'm just, I'm looking for positive stones under under moss where there aren't any, but... <laughs> Let's assume that they've got a direction for this. Two Plus two things come to mind. First of all, in the later in the later books of uh, of this series, and in, in the Taltos book especially, there is a group of the Talamasca who is sort of nefarious, and and but it's like a small sect, and they've got their own sort of plans and and ends. The other thing that I'll say, without spoiling anything specifically, in the later Vampire Chronicles books, we get some backstory on the Talamasca. And some of what we hear in those books and some of what we come to understand in those books would make it sort of more understandable and interesting and good storytelling possibilities could come out of it if 
there was a group of the Talamasca who were very focused on, and this is what I'm hoping is happening here. I hope this group is not so much aligned with Cortland as they are their mean, their end goal also happens to be Cortland's end goal, which I hope is Lasher's incarnation. I think right. that I Cortland, do, I... for whatever reason, has been working towards that. And I think this group in the Talamasca is not really a fan of Cortland. They're not his allies or or lackeys. It's that they want to see Lasher incarnated. But for whatever why? Reason. But and, why? Well, but why? Okay. Why, Joel? Why? There are... It's not going to happen in this show. I don't really have I don't really have hope that they're going to do it. But there are some things in the book that you could sort of backfill and retroactively connect and be like, "Well, this reason and this thing connect." And so you, it this could be a hint at some things that are I, revealed yeah, about the Telemask I mean, I in the later books. I don't have That's faith. Very true. I don't have faith that they're going to go there. Yeah. I, I mean, I I you are right and and it does kind of that does play into my whole idea of this like little sect of the Talamasca being quite a shit show um, because they clearly are quite a shit show um, so it kind of plays into that as far as like as the way I see it so I could kind of, I could kind of see that but still it's just I don't understand why they would want to unleash this this thing that they don't understand that they and like and 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 it seems like a really dangerous experiment to be a part of you know what i mean like okay well let's let's really let's let's get this witch knocked up and see what happens you know it's just like it just seems like a risky play to make on purpose for anybody it's a risky play it's a risky thing that rowan does at the end of the fucking witching hour you know like but even that makes sense even that makes sense because you have some understanding of her character and what she thinks she's capable of which our rowan in this show would never be able to in a million years think she could do so the next hour of our lives that we spend watching this is going to be a real fucking mind fuck i think oh it is absolutely going to be that i listen th this show has not been good but it has been surprising. <laughs> and it's I been think it's something. gonna continue to be that. Yeah. It's been something. All right. It's been something. So so Cyprian is obviously uh incredibly mad about this uh this betrayal by the Talamasca by his by his superiors, you know. But he's he's sort of stuck there and can do nothing about it. The line specifically from Albrecht, the his boss here, is that if if Rowan does what they think she's going to do then she will fulfill an ancient prophecy and a new era will begin. Um, what the fuck does that so, even mean? So, yeah, I, that's, I, I mean, I it's think Jesus I think coming it's back. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, well, but that's, again, I don't, like, are, are the Taltos even going to be the Taltos? Like, is is Lasher's actual origin going to be anything I don't think they're like going to have, I don't think they can even remotely explain that story at this point. <laughs> I like I can't even I mean, it's see gonna, how how they would even, season, even begin season to scratch the surface. Season two is gonna have to get weird. Season two will have to be yeah, real right? fucking I'm, weird. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna have to be so strange to get there. What I'm anyway. really pissed off about is that this has made me want to read Lasher like immediately. I started Armand. Oh, I have thought the same thing. I'm like, I gotta fucking read Lasher and see if reading this again makes any of this make more fucking sense to me.
<laughs> I just, I honestly, I'm jealous to go spend time with Mona. You know, those the early chapters in Lasher are all about Mona, and uh, honestly, there's a lot of about her seduction of Michael, which is a little. I'm sure it's going to be icky now. As my, I, I'm, I also started Armand today. As a matter of fact, I just started the audiobook of Armand, and those early chapters of Armand are very much <laughs> him and David Talbot talking about how beautiful little boys are, and it is super <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm like, Anne, Anne, baby, <laughs> you you had some issues, man. I don't she know. She really liked pushing the oh. boundaries there. Yeah. She did. <laughs> she did so much. And I know, I know especially with the character of, of Armand, it, it is all about his, his own, um, you know, mishandling, the mistreatment, the abuse that he suffered in his mortal life. And so I understand that those themes have to be brought into the book. But boy, she just parades it right out there you know, on Front Street. And it reminds me, because I was thinking about reading Lasher, I know those early chapters of Lasher are, are going to be complicated when I read them now as a 40-year-old instead of a 13-year-old. Right? Like, and that's the thing. It's a it's a it's a totally different thing when a teenager is talking ab about romantic or sexual attraction to an adult when you're a teenager, but when you are the forty year old, it is a very like, different oh, thing. I mean, I'm grooming. Michael's age. Yeah, I'm Michael's age now, and it's not yeah. cool. It's not cool. Yeah, no, it's not cool. <laughs> it's not cool at all. Oh no, it's really not. Anyway, all right, let's 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 finish this. Back this on track. Episode, Back the on last track. Scene of this thing. So again, so you've got you've got Tessa. So first of all, they had her in the cage, and she's sexualized. They're taking the mask off and everything, talking to Creepo. Then they hang her up by her hands in the center of the warehouse, and she has the scene with with the the female witch hunter about how the Mayfairs are are the evil one percenters, and and really this is all about commerce. Then. <laughs> we're going to light her on fire there in the middle of the thing. And I'm like, let's just run out all the tropes, right? You know, I mean, right, I honestly expected someone to like cut her top off so that she'd be sitting there in a sports bra or something for the rest of this. But they never did. They never went there on it, at least. Um, but they're getting this some, fire like, started. I really need some Monty Python-esque comedy relief at this point. <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm. well, She's a witch! to me, you got it. Well, I to mean, me, you yeah. got it when Rowan <laughs> when Rowan marches in to save the day. So, okay, Tessa is about to burn, and suddenly one of our witch hunters, as he's making his way to the fire uh, with a with a tiki torch, right? With a fucking he, tiki torch, <laughs> he grabs his head, and his nose starts bleeding, and he falls to the ground. And then another one does, and then suddenly around a corner of boxes comes Rowan, not marching steadily not having picked up a weapon of any kind just walking towards them like she's walking through the mall except unsteadily she's psychic <laughs> yes like what is a little like, unsteadily i mean they like, turn her into a vigilante but like she's, she's not a confident one like she yeah she's not confident no. in what she's doing at all she's not walking in fucking drew barrymore at the age of whatever in firestarter was more of a badass than rowan was in that scene Listen, the new Firestarter is terrible, and the little girl, because the Razzies are a terrible organization, oh, the little yes, girl got nominated them. for a Razzie. But yeah, that little girl in the new Firestarter brings so much more heat than Rowan brings in this scene. It is absurd. But I mean, yep. like, okay, all right, she doesn't, she doesn't want to use this power. She's unsteady. She's not a killer. Then have her stay in the shadows and pick them off, since she can kill them from a distance, and they don't know she's there yet. 
Yeah, no, why, why are you getting your ass into in the it. gun and and a freaking gunfire range? She stumbles into it. She frees Tessa, and I'm like, okay, well, at least they're not going to do that. But no, of course, Keith, our creeper from earlier, has a gun suddenly and shoots Tessa, trying to kill Rowan. Uh, and and there she goes. She dies on the ground. Meanwhile, this sets Rowan off, and she screams the magic words as she calls Lasher down to her, and that's the end of our episode. But like Spalding said in the in the after uh, episode insider thing, she says that Rowan calling Lasher was her choosing vengeance. Her choosing that. But, but listen, Lasher. And the Mayfair is more broadly. This none of this is about vengeance. Lasher's goal is rebirth. Lasher's entire enterprise with the Mayfairs is about the the salvation and continuation of his species. He falls in love with the Mayfairs over the course of the centuries. Now he is not human. And his love is not our love, but he has genuine affection for these women in this family. The women, meanwhile, none of them are vengeful, honestly, other than maybe you could say Deborah with when she kills right. her witch hunter. Um, you know, I mean, she calls Lasher down in vengeance there at the end. But but again, that's like the one scene that the family springs from. It's not the whole thing. Rowan in the books is never even when she kills she's never really driven by like malice or vengeance it's it's a always towards this goal she knows that she has a power for literal biological change she doesn't know until the very end that she's been engineered for it right for for centuries but she's right. she understands that she can do something for the human race that nobody else can do. And she is jealous of that ability, that ability to heal. It's why I was mad about them taking Rowan May uh, Mayfair Medical away from her. It's right. why I'm mad about this, honestly. This, her choosing Lasher in the end over vengeance and anger and like, I'm going to kill these bad guys is just not what any of this is about. It bumps yeah. me out, man. Yeah, I mean. You know, Spalding. Yeah. Spalding made her witch hunters sympathetic losers, and she made her witches genuinely vengeful bitches. Why? Like, what is your point? I mean, it's, well, I mean, and truly, it is, even even in Deborah's case, no, I mean, I was going to say it's, it was, you know, in self-defense, but she definitely did bring bring Lasher to bring the thunder down, so... um yeah, I don't. I don't know, Joel. I wish I could make more sense out of a lot of these choices, and it also seems like like now, surely this is the end of this, of this witch hunter, like plot line, unless this is going to be a through line that carries us through to next season and all of that, which I really hope it doesn't because they they've got to find a better a better conflict. And oh, strangely enough, there are better conflicts written within the book that involve the actual characters. <laughs> There, well, again, like even with this mess that you have, you could go, you could go right now from what they've written themselves, and you could, you could find all sorts of more interesting and compelling uh, narrative conflict than 
to rehash this witch hunter story in any way. I genuinely right. hope. I hope every I hope single one done. of them is dead. I hope the organization has fallen apart, and, right. and you know, Cortland pays whoever he needs to pay to to run the rest of them out of town. Everyone goes to that, prison for it. their. Part- everyone goes to prison for their participation in the January sixth incident. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they're exactly. out of our way. In our in our Discord group. Rachel Nance said uh, earlier this week, this entire show has been so on the nose. There's just zero subtlety. I think that sums up my main gripe. It lacks all of Anne Rice's poetry and nuance. It's loud when it should be quiet. Scenes are cut short for no fucking reason. Like the editors just (laughs) gave up. I mean, we talked about that last week. You could have done the simple thing of switching the reveals of the dagger being missing Right. And uh, and Cyprian being lost in the memory. You could have switched those two things and made that more compelling. Again, it's from top to bottom. This thing seems haphazard and and I don't know, just it's 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 a mess. And listening to the coverage of the official podcast this week where the other co-creator was was heard from. Finally, I, Uh I genuinely feel like. The entire production is a mess. This is not like one person's fault. This is not a couple of bad decisions. The well, whole and that's, thing. That's an interesting. That's an interesting. She genuinely thought. doesn't seem to get it. Yeah, I mean, she this genuinely like, doesn't seem to get it. When a show does seem to feel as messy as this does, it usually is a disconnect with it amongst the creative team, and I think it's very clear that there is at least a huge disconnect. <laughs> because it just it seems like everyone's in different worlds it seems like everyone's in a different a different show it's almost it's like they all got different versions of this script and 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 they're all in different genres and now we've mashed them together they brought them all together after a disastrous rehearsal process and just thought hopefully it'll work (laughs) what's what's the line from shakespeare in love i don't know it sort of works out on the day. That's the magic. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, it all all seems to come together. This um, is magic. Okay, thank God. I want to I want to talk a little bit about speculation. So, if you are not a book reader and you don't want any potential spoilers, uh, now's your time to uh, bounce off. Watch the uh, eighth episode this week and join us for our finale discussion uh, coming up as soon as we can get it out to you next weekend. Um, but I want to dive into this this discussion of the Talamasca a little bit further. Okay, so. In the later Vampire Chronicles, there are actually several of those books that touch on different aspects of the Talamasca's background. And Mm -hmm. uh, again, without spoiling you, because you haven't read a lot of those books either, what it comes down to is there are are several different creatures in in this connected universe, the Mayfair world and the Vampire Chronicles, that were mortal beings became spirit beings for some long period of time and then reincarnate eventually into moral form in one way or another. A couple of those characters are actually founders of the Talamasca, as it turns out. In their spirit form, they sort of fostered the creation of this group and and organized it over time as the sort of unseen masters of the organization. Okay. Um, Obviously, in the Vampire Chronicles, the character of Amel, the the central character that becomes the you know animating force of vampirism, was a spirit creature at one point, 
in the later books, we discover that spirit came from an actual body that existed at one point. And eventually, again, spoiler, Amel is incarnated in the books, in the novels um, directly. So I wonder if they're going to connect Lasher and the Taltos, whatever that ends up becoming in this right. universe, to those other characters more directly. In the novels, they aren't really. The Mayfair's crossover, but the story of Lasher and the Taltos is not ever really touched on in relation to these things that I've just mentioned from the Vampire Chronicles. It is a very similar story, obviously, since it's a spirit being that came from a mortal body and then eventually again finds a way to incarnate into physical flesh. I think those things are all too connected for this not to be connected in the show, right? If you're, well, if you're building up to the beginnings of vampirism in the interview series and you're going to show how that happened, I think the story of Lasher can be connected to it. And I'm assuming that's what's going on here with the, ta with the Talamasca story. As I mentioned earlier, though, I've got just zero faith that this creative right. <laughs> team is going to put it together in any good way. That's a lot of books they would have had to have read, Joel, and we already know that at least as far as most of the cast is considered, they really don't really don't want to read a bunch of books. <laughs> yeah, right. But but that's actually a really that's a really good thought, and I and I love that idea. I I hope I hope that there's that much thought into the long game because. This is also one of those things where if they haven't really thought their long game through, this could get real, real, real bad. This could get like, like, like lost bad. You know, this could get, uh, yeah. Oh, worse than lost. I mean, I think about the worst seasons of, of True Blood and this could absolutely get down there. Or again, like, you know. I don't. I don't know. I joked on Facebook this week. The you know the early seasons of Charmed would never. <laughs> would yes, exactly. Prue, Prue would never. Listen, those witches would eat these witches up. I don't know. Oh, they for would serious? Never have to those call witches, in a scryer. Those witches got shit done. You know, like I, I've seen lots of witches get shit done. These witches have gotten the least done out of any. I'm like, can I just? Should I just rewatch the craft? Is that what I should be doing with my time right now? Because uh, you know. Those you witches were baller. About, you know what I thought about? It, the the scene at the end of this episode where Rowan is screaming the magic words and calling Lasher down, I thought about the the episodes where Willow goes dark side. Yeah. In yeah. And, and there's an example of a character, right? Who Now, obviously, you had seasons and seasons of great character development there. But there's a character who's soft and shy and nerdy and mousy and not in her power <laughs> and yet through terrible circumstances thrust upon her and a little right. bit of her own pride and and you know um whatever she, a need she for comes revenge. up with this yeah need for revenge honestly she comes up with this vengeful spirit and this massive amount of power and like calm and threatening and oh, just anyway there there's a way to do this and these people aren't doing it. <laughs> We've seen better witches. Thank you very much. I, I'm starting to worry that they literally only hired Alexandria Daddario so that they could take that beautiful picture of her that's on the header of all of their their media material where she's clutching the pearl against her face and her eyes are all wide and mysterious. I mean, she's really lovely, but that image, the, the more that I think about it, that image is, is closer to like... 
what's the not the hardy boys but the what was the what was the girl detective book nancy drew like that's yeah that looks like a nancy drew novel like honestly you know it looks to me like like that could be a cover of of like the the twilight ladies uh witch series (laughs) yes yes like i don't or honestly Go look at AMC. They got like 19 different witch series and shows right now, which honestly I think is the only reason why this happened. I think they they bought all of these books and they were like, well, we'll get this one up because it it'll play into the 15,000 different other properties we got that have witch in the title. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing. It's a mess. I hope they find a way to nail this and, and bring it back to something that is um, you know, not just an oddity and uh, makes a lot of money theoretically on the back end for Christopher and Ann, which we like to hear about. But Yeah, I want them to get paid. I, I, want, they, they, uh, I, I want, want good TV. I, yeah, I want good TV. I want I, good I do, TV, though. I do want our guy to get paid. I want Christopher to be making some money off this slop. Um, also, right now, I've never been, I haven't been this angry in this entire process until this moment where I'm looking at this picture of Jack Houston with short hair looking like an absolute fucking snack. And once again, I'm angry all over again at the way that they have styled him. I They could have asked literally any man who's ever grown out his hair, and they could have told you, there's the time period when, when you look like you have shaggy hair, and then there's the time period when you have long hair, and there's the time period in between when you try to wear bandanas and baseball caps and don't go out in public mm. very much. Mm-hmm. That's the exact length <laughs> of hair. And Lasher apparently, yeah, Lasher's lived in that period for centuries. <laughs> yeah, bless his heart, bless his heart. When he could have had the short, hot haircut, God bless us all. <laughs> in the books, in the books, don't they say that Lasher looks a lot like Julian? Yes, yes, Joel, but don't even start with that because I'm just going to fucking lose my mind. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I, I just yes. You he know, looks like I mean, Julian like the, because the, because because he's mistaken for Julian. Sometimes people think that's who they saw when they yes. see him. Ugh. Yes. Like oh, I saw you out, but here you are in the parlor. What happened? And Julian laughs because it was yeah. the man. Ah, uh, anyway, the man. I I mean, and again. <laughs> and see, they're like they sort of halfway did that because they put him in these old suits. Where are those suits from? Those are from Julian's time period, probably. But the suits aren't well tailored. Julian's suits would be well tailored. <laughs> yes. Why does Lasher look like he's wearing his big brother's suits? It's a mystery that hopefully will be solved in season two. Y'all, I'm I'm genuinely I cannot tell you how much I have enjoyed being able to read the comments and and not oh my only, God, by yes. the way, get there are a handful of folks that are genuinely enjoying this show. And I would like to thank them, by the way, for, for giving feedback on why giving some genuine answers and look, they're not wrong, right? Like all of this no. is subjective. All, all yeah, art all is, is subjective. And so nobody's yucking your yum. We, and I, I do know, Ashley, you and I are both absolutely colored by our love of these novels. However, you've said it many times and it's absolutely true. We don't know these novels well enough to be true book purists. That's not what we're asking for. We, no. we found lots of things that they changed in Interview with the Vampire we were fine for. We wanted a more coherently told story. And for us, this one isn't hitting. However, here's some good news for you. This is, this is what I looked forward to today. 
Ashley, you and I have already talked about it. We both started reading The Vampire Armand. That'll be our next Hell book. Hell yes! Uh, we're going to cover that as soon as we can get through it. Probably be about a month, month and a half after uh, uh, Mayfair wraps up. So, you know, look forward to that in, in the spring sometime, early spring. And then after that, I, I want to do some more stuff between here and there. Uh, we've got Absolutely. season two production of Interview with the Vampire. That's going to start in the first week of April, I believe. We, we got that posted into the group the other day. They're going to start shooting, I think, April 4th, April 3rd, something like that. So news will begin to drop on those productions as that ramps up. We do have a lot of great TV outside of our particular fandom to look forward to over the next several year, uh, months. Like I mentioned, The Mandalorian's coming back. I'm excited about that. Oh, Ahsoka yes. later this this year is going to be a good one Ooh, for us. Yellow Jackets. Um, yes, exactly. There are tons of, of great series out there that are coming back. There's lots of great TV to be had. For our fandom specifically, we're going to talk about exactly what we're going to do. We may do some... Uh, uh, movie um, um, commentary episodes where Ashley and I watch the vampire uh, <laughs> chronicle adaptations that have been oh out there God, so that'd far be so and much do a commentary. Fun. That'd be a lot of fun, right? Depending upon how long, if we get a, if we get some idea of when the premiere date for season two is going to be, we may even do a full rewatch of season one of Interview with the Vampire. I can promise you right now we're not going to do a full rewatch of season one of Mayfair Witches because there is no reason for us to uh, bring our vitriol back to you, as no. I guarantee you it would boil with an even higher heat as we yeah, go back cause... into those early episodes now. <laughs> it's true, because we're just going to, we would just be pissed off, like, but... <laughs> yeah, no, we'd be watching those uh, first episodes with brand new angry eyes. <laughs> You're right. These motherfuckers left all the marbles on the table. The audacity! I, These stupid first... fucking crows! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But there are a ton of great books to get to. I would still really like to talk uh, um, to uh, Erica Roberto Paolo about... Um, the uh, Anne Rice uh, autobiography that talks about her religious journey. I think that's a really yeah. uh, interesting subject to get into. So we've got a lot of things coming up. Stay connected. Stay in the community. Uh, continue to give us your feedback on what you think of this show and everything else that's going on. And continue to help bring us links. Like, for instance, the production dates. I hadn't seen that article. Somebody found that posted it in the uh, Facebook group earlier today. So um, thanks for all of that. Ashley, before we wrap up, you got anything you want to tell folks about or uh, mention no, before just, we uh, say goodbye? Yeah, no, just uh, just hang out with us a little bit longer. We'll get through this season of the show. and. And I'm definitely, I'm reading Armand first, but then I'm jumping on Lasher real, real quick. So if anybody wants to have a little, a little, uh, a little angry book club with me, jump on the Facebook group and let's, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly the plan, by the way. And thank goodness Lasher is a much more digestible novel than The Witching Hour. It's not a fifty hour. Oh commitment. yeah. So that no, that'll be our all. thing. We'll go we'll go the Vampire Armand, we'll go Lasher, and then we'll go to Pandora as the next uh, regular series book after that one. All right, folks. Until next week when we talk to you about episode eight, the season one finale for the Mayfair Witches, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And we are the Articulate Coven. Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. 
You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at ArticulateCoven.com. And share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends.